Welcome to the Aussie Cruise Show. This podcast is a place for Aussies who just can't get enough of cruising. I'm David, your host. I'm an ex-cruise ship performer, avid cruiser, and a certified cruise travel agent. Along with my guests, we'll be serving you news, reviews, and tips to help you maximize your cruise experience. We'll also take a peek behind the curtain so you can hear what it's really like working on a cruise ship. That means it's time to set sail, so welcome aboard and enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Aussie Cruise Show. I'm David, uh, your host, and it's just me for this episode. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Um, On that note, it would be doing me a great favour if you could rate and review our podcast on iTunes or whatever kind of system that you're listening to the Uh, the Aussie Cruise Show on. If you've got an opportunity to go in and rate and write a little review, that would be really helpful. It just helps more people hear the podcast and um, you find that places like Apple tend to promote it a bit more and and push it a bit further if it does have some of those positive reviews. So that would be great. And if you have any feedback, as always, you can reach me on david at aussiecruiseshow.com.au. So it is just me for this episode and it's actually a two-parter that's going to be released over uh, two weeks. So we have 10 cruise myths totally busted. This is a great one for me because um, it's really been an interesting journey for me in terms of cruising and talking to people about cruising. The number of uh, push the, the amount of pushback that you get, and you f- start to find that there is co- there are common themes that you start to hear people saying, "Oh, I would never cruise for these reasons." Oh, I don't know if I'd like cruising for this. And um, so I've gathered the ten uh, most common cruise myths, and they are totally busted in this episode. So we'll start with the top five, and then the second episode will be the second five. So let's get right into it. Right, so the first one that I often hear is that cruising is too expensive. Now, that's an interesting one because I think, you know, that's harking back to the days when cruising wasn't as available. Um, There there wasn't as much competition, there wasn't as much choice, um, especially in Australia. Um, I know that what I pay for cruises now compared to what I paid 10 years ago, it's much cheaper. And you would think, you know, 10 years on things would be more expensive, but it's just not. There's because there's so much more competition and, uh, you know, a lot of Australians are cruising and that's really driven the price down. So cruising is actually amazing value for money. And the way I thought I would kind of highlight this is to do a bit of a side by side. So I did a little bit of a a little bit of research and I looked into, um, you know, a land based holiday in November 2020 
based a based against a cruise. So I looked at I was trying to think of the equivalent of a, a South Pacific cruise. Um, so then I thought let's look at a, a holiday in Fiji. Now I haven't gone done a deep dive, but I just had a look at resorts in Fiji and see what came up. So I found one um, which looks really nice actually. Um, it's called the Treasure Island Resort, and this was just done in a quick search. Um, but it's a three star resort. It does look nice so it looks to me like it should probably be rated higher it's got quite high reviews um by people that have left comments and stuff on the booking site um but i looked at a nine night holiday in that resort and that was coming in at 3548 for two people for nine nights so bearing in mind what you've got on top of that you're going to have your flights to and from fiji uh, didn't work that out actually, but that's going to be really expensive. And you're going to have your food. And from what I've heard, I haven't actually stayed in a resort in Fiji, but from what I've heard, the food is quite expensive when you're in these resorts. So I kind of budgeted at like $100 per couple per day. Um, you know, that might be might be vastly wrong, but I, I thought, you know, that's it would give us a rough figure. So that works out at 4,000, around 4,500 per couple. And that's before we have even um, paid for our flights or any entertainment or anything else, really. That's just the your accommodation. Now let's look at kind of what you can get from a cruise. So I had a look at a carnival cruise to the South Pacific. Um, it was a nine night cruise and I will tell you the exact date because it was coming in at a, a really nice price as well. There is a sale on carnival at the moment, uh, but nine nights and that was the 17th to the 26th of November 2020. And the price for an ocean view cabin was coming in at $1,049 per person. So that was working out at uh, about $2,100 um, per couple for your nine nights. Now, you know, that's a big difference already, $2,100 versus $4,500. But let's think what we're getting on top of that. So you have to remember that when you look at a cruise, you know, because sometimes people do think, oh, all the extras cost money, but you don't have to. The extras are definitely not an essential. And you'll find that um, through the research that, that I found, 85% of your cruise is actually included in the fare. Um, so within there, you're getting your kids club. You're getting your meals, you know, three, four, well, unlimited food per day, really. You could eat all day and all night if you wanted to, um, but you probably pay the price health-wise when you, when you came off. Your entertainment, you've got entertainment all through the day and, again, pretty much all through the night. Um, Broadway-style shows, you've got karaoke, you've got, um, you know, local bands, you've got um, good, good, uh, pianos, sing-alongs. And lots of entertainment going on and that is all included in your price and I will tell you some of the shows some of the entertainment on these cruise ships now it is out of this world the production shows are getting better and better and better and also the guest entertainers that they're bringing on you know if you were paying a ticket in a in a club or a theater to see these shows you would be paying a lot of money to see them so you know that's all included as well you've got your tea and coffee you've got your gym you've got your lectures your cooking demonstrations all these kind of things so 
that's a huge, you know, that's an awful lot of value for $2,100 for a couple. So, you know, what I would say, I mean, some cruises can be more expensive and it depends what you want to, how much you want to spend, you know, like depends what your budget is. You could go ultra luxury, but even then when you start to compare that ultra luxury to an ultra luxurious hotel experience, you know, again, cruising is some of the best value holidays that you will find. One of the reasons I love cruising, um, it's, it's always very good value. So I hope that has demonstrated that that myth is totally busted. Now, the second one, and this is one that I definitely hear all the time. So number two is I'll get seasick. Well, the truth behind that is it's it's really unlikely. I'm not going to lie, it can happen. Um, but, and you know, there, I've heard people saying, all oh, these big ships, you don't feel the movement, you don't feel them at all. That's not actually true. You can feel the movement on some of the ships and it depends on the weather. And you know, you're at the mercy of the weather a lot of the time. However, if you take the precautions I I would say that you will be sweet, that you will be fine. Um, I I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but ships actively try to avoid the bad weather. You know, they want to make the ride as comfortable as possible. So that's why you might see on a cruise the itineraries changed. Um, I've been on a few cruises where we've left a port early to avoid weather or we've missed a port completely or gone in a completely different direction. I think there was one cruise that I did to the South Pacific, we reversed the direction. So we, we kind of went south and then round uh, rather than kind of going north and round because uh, there was a potential weather front gathering and they just wanted to avoid it. Um, so, you know, it's the, the ships will do their best to avoid the bad weather, but sometimes you are at the mercy of the elements and sometimes it can um, it can be a little bit rocky, um, but we'll get into some of the precautions that you can take in a second. But also the ships nowadays have stabilizers. Now these are like huge kind of airplane wings that come out the side of the ship and they help balance the ship and help stop it from rocking side to side. What they don't stop is the, the pitching. So the, uh, the front of the ship going up or down, but you know, it's, Again, all these things are there to make to make it more comfortable for you. But if you do suffer from travel sickness or if you know that you've had problems with seasickness or travel sickness in the past, there's a few things that you can do. Um, speak to your travel agent. Make sure that you're getting the right cabin for you. So my recommendation would be a midship cabin and low. Um, the, the closer to the center of the ship and the lower you are, the less you're going to feel that movement of the ship. Um, if you think about the kind of physics of it, that part of the ship is is definitely going to move um, less. And it is amazing, actually. Sometimes you can really feel the difference. I was on a cruise to Tasmania and the weather was a little bit bad. I mean, it wasn't treacherous or anything at all. Um, but I went to my friend's cabin was right at the front of the ship. And when you were in there, I was like, wow, could, could really feel it, you know, whereas in my cabin could hardly feel it at all. So talk to your travel agent, make sure that you're getting the, the right cabin for you. Um, 
take your motion sickness pills. Uh, my tip is to take them before you get on. Um, I think it can that can really help you. It can just help you get uh, accustomed to, to things before you get on. So maybe a, a couple of nights before. And if you do research, you'll find there's loads of different options for travel sickness pills. And people have all sorts of different recommendations for what is right. I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know what the best ones are i don't actually suffer from travel sickness so i'm, I'm really lucky that way uh, or or seasickness um but i think and if you are really worried about it and if it is if you're really susceptible go to the doctor they will give you they'll give you um something a bit stronger that will make sure that you're fine um people swear by the pressure bands the little elastic bands that go around your wrist and um put acupressure on and these are um you know people absolutely swear by them and they get a, a good rap um as well um ginger tablets um drinking ginger ale um eating food with ginger in it all these things are are, are can help um i've also heard eating green apples can help one of the other things that can definitely make a big difference if you're feeling it coming on get yourself outside and or inside but near a window but have a look at the horizon it can really help you because that's it's all to do with the kind of inner ear balance and um part of the problem is that you know the you your body feels the movement but can't really see what is moving and i think that's very layman terms <laughs> explaining why it happens i don't know how to explain it any better um but i think if you look at the horizon it just helps stabilize things a little bit the temptation is to go and kind of lie in a dark room but that's really kind of one of the worst things that you can do now again if you're on board and if you are really bad you can visit the ship's doctor i know that they have um remedies as well i think they sometimes have an injection um, which from my days in cruising when I was on a 22,000 ton ship which felt huge at the time this is 20 years ago when I was working on the cruise ship um, it, it would now be considered a, a dinghy um, that is uh, they, they used to give injections there and they work absolute wonders so if you're in a really bad way get to the ship's doctor they will sort you out now my other tip if you do happen to be unlucky and hit some bad weather they quite often will be given away free seasickness tablets in either the doctor's surgery or at guest services desk. So go in and ask there. Um, if you're heading towards bad weather, they will usually have them available. But if it is a massive concern for you, because I know some people that are so anxious about um, seasickness that they just won't cruise. So what I would say if it's a, a massive concern, again, it's about choosing the right itinerary. Find somewhere that's really port intensive. Um, I've got loads of tips for you. So, you know, if you do need to book a cruise, just contact me. You can get my details over at uh, aussiecruiseshow.com.au or my travel agency is ilovecruising.com.au slash David Volks and you'll get all my details there. Um, but also, you know, you might want to, if you're looking to go further afield, you might want to go to the Norwegian fjords or maybe even Alaska or something like that where there's, um, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed the smoother seas because the waters around Australia, you know, they, they can be a bit temperamental. There's, there, it's wide open ocean, um, but 
it's it's I would say it's never going to be as bad as you think. And I've seen people at the beginning of a cruise where they're um, feeling a bit seasick. And then by the end of the cruise, they're dancing on tables and having a great time. Okay, so let's have a look at number three. And this is another one that I've heard quite a few times. Like, oh, I would be bored stuck in a ship. Oh, I'd get so bored. Now, this is, it's really interesting to me that people say these things when they've never uh, tried it, never even really kind of looked into it. They've just made the assumption that they're going to get bored. So again, this is something, cruising has come a long way. I think especially in the last, 10 years, 10, 20 years, um, ships are constantly innovating. And the way that they're kind of driving these innovations is by talking to you, you know, to, to passengers. What do you want? You know, what what do you want from your cruise? What entertainment do you want? What activities do you want? What do you want to do during the day? What did you like? What didn't you like? What ports did you like? So they're constantly refining their offers. And the the real truth is there is something for everybody. It depends. And I think the beauty of cruising as well is you can do whatever you want to do. You can make of the cruise what you want to make. Maybe you want to curl up in the library or lie on your balcony and read a book all day. There is nothing wrong with that at all. And I have had days when I have done that. But also I've had days when I have been out watching cooking demonstrations, listening to lectures on World War II, watching movies, playing water polo with the crew, flying across the ship on a zip line, you know, offer an afternoon nap, then some wine tasting. So there is heaps available. And again, it's one of those things that you can do as much or as little as you want. And the, the beauty of it as well, there's absolutely no pressure on you. I think sometimes people think that there's going to be pressure. It's going to be like a, an old-fashioned holiday camp where you have to get up and take part in the Noblinese competition, things like that. Um, and the truth is some people love all the game shows and things, but other people just want to run a mile. But you don't have to do any of it. There's always plenty to do. Um, if you go over to aussiecruiseshow.com.au slash episode three, I'll have um, show notes for this episode and I will, um, I'll, I'll attach a sample program for you there so you can just get a look at what happens on a, on a day, what a typical day on a cruise ship would look like. So let's just round off this uh, I'll be bored by looking at some of the things you can do on a cruise ship. We've touched on some of these already, but this is, and I, I will stress, these are only some of the things. So entertainment, you've got production shows, you've got singers, you've got piano players, classical musicians, um, dance classes, you've got dancers from around the world, you know, um, um, acrobatics, all these kind of things. So um comedians jugglers hypnotists it's it's never ending and again they're always changing these things as well and um, they have what they call enrichment programs which are your cooking demonstrations your talks and your lectures uh, your port your port talks destination talks that will tell you about where you're headed food and wine tasting options uh, i was on a ship recently and they had a lecturer on who was talking about arson actually he was from 
uh, he was ex-police. I'm trying to remember exactly what he was. Um, but basically, it was all about... He could find out exactly where the fire started and they went in and it was all about the kind of investigation that they had and finding the, the source of the fire and if it was intentionally lit or how it happened. And it was it was really interesting, actually. Um, now, relaxation, that's something that, that you might want to do. You might want to lie on your balcony, lie by the pool, read a book. You might want to head up to the spa. You might want to sit in the hot tub all day. Or maybe you want to have a massage or get your hair done, have a facial. Endless options available when it comes to relaxation. Um, you have to remember that you will be in ports as well so you know you can spend your time in the ports experiencing the culture doing some shopping lying on the beach maybe you're doing water sports depending where you're going you might be going on tours to see some of the some of the sites and then some of the sports stuff that's available as well there's basketball things i've seen on cruise ships and again there's much much more um rock climbing water slides um simulation um skydiving which i did which was amazing um golf mini golf um f1 formula one simulators trapeze bumper cars ice skating go-karts can you believe they have all these things on cruise ships it's really unbelievable so that is number three i'll be bored totally busted Right, so let's have a look at number four. And this is an interesting one as well. So what I sometimes hear is, oh, cruising is for old people. Now, my belief is that there is a cruise and a ship for everybody. But that's the beauty about talking to an experienced travel agent. Um, whether that be me or somebody else, I think it is really important that you talk to um, an experienced travel agent to make sure that you are getting the right ship, the right um, itinerary, uh, the right cruise line for you. Because some of the ships are more suited to an older crowd. That That's just a fact. I mean, there, again, there will be something for everybody on board, but some are more suited to an older crowd. But cruise lines are very heavily marketing towards millennials. If you think about it, if they want to survive, that's the uh, that's the future that they are that they are going to uh, it's, it's future customers for them, so they're going to have to. So you might be shocked to hear. In fact, just before I tell you, I want you to have a think. What do you think is the average age of a cruise ship passenger in Australia? Now, this was in 2017, and I got this from CLIA, which is a Cruise Lines International Association. And you might be surprised to hear that the average age of a cruiser in Australia and New Zealand in 2017 is 49. So, yes, it's not um, it's not an old person's thing. Um, I'm 46 at the moment, so I'm steadily heading towards that average age of the of the cruiser um, and just another little fact that you you might want to know as well Australia has one of the highest participation in fact the highest participation participation rates in cruising in the world per capita so in 2017 one in 18 Australians went on a cruise 
Can you believe that? One in 18. Um, so again, what you'll find from that, and this is what I've found because people often say, oh, what type of people do you get on a cruise? And I feel like you get a real cross section of Australia, which you're bound to. If there's one in 18 cruising, you're going to get all, all sorts on there. People from different backgrounds, you know, different places, different ages, different ethnicities. It's, um, I think you get a real cross a real cross-section of Australia. So I think um, cruising is definitely as well. Again, this is going away from the kind of older stuffy impression that a lot of people have, but cruising is a lot more casual than it used to be. Uh, you used to have to get very dressed up. In fact, in some um, cruises you do, Cunard is a bit like that, where you have to get dressed up for dinner and be a bit more formal, have formal nights. But lots of cruise lines are heading towards the freestyle cruising, um, where you know you wear what you want, you eat when you want, you do what you want. Um, so it's, but again, it's there's something for everybody. Some people love that kind of cruising of days gone by where it is a bit more elegant and you do make a bit more of an effort but other people could not think of anything worse than having to get on and put on a tuxedo on a cruise ship so there is um there, there is something for everybody as a cruise line for everybody but be careful and choose the right one and you will have no problems at all so myth number five and that will wrap us up for this episode I'll get a tummy bug. Dun, dun, dun. The dreaded norovirus that we hear about all the time. The media, the newspapers, they love a cruise ship, um, you know, sickness bug story. It's, it's amazing. Sometimes I read it and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like this is a 5,000 person cruise ship and maybe 20 people have the bug and the media is all over it. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, if you, it can happen. And if you are on a ship or on a holiday and it happened to you, it would be absolutely dreadful. Um, but I can tell you this myth is totally busted. So if you were to believe the media, you would think that, you know, cruise ships are infested cesspits where you're crawling off with terrible diseases. But that could not be further from the truth. In fact, according to the CDC, the uh, National Outbreak Reporting System, one in 5,500 people on a cruise ship get norovirus. Now think about that. One in 5,500 so, and this, they compare this to land, where on land, one in 15 people on land get the, get the norovirus. This is during, during an outbreak. Um, so there's a really interesting infographic that you'll find I've put on the website, aussiecruiseshow.com.au slash episode three, and you'll see the infographic there um, that shows you kind of a, a few more facts and figures about norovirus and how it's not a cruise ship disease and how it's been uh, really misrepresented. Um, you will, if you've ever been on a cruise, you will see how seriously they take their precautions when it comes to this. If there is an outbreak um, on board, you know, people are quarantined. The cleaning crews are cleaning the ship from top to bottom. It's, um, you know, and, and even when they're they're not, when there's not an outbreak, you'll still see them cleaning 
all the time. There, it's it's really the the level of cleanliness in a cruise ship is second to none, uh, because they have to. You know, they they really have to take it very seriously. Um, but you have to remember that you have to play your part as well. Uh, so washy washy. If you've been on a cruise, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But it's very important that you wash your hands thoroughly after using the toilet and before eating. Now you'll be like, oh, of course, it sounds like common sense. But you would be amazed at the number of people that you see just marching out the toilet, not washing their hands. And um, it is uh, it is something that we all have to play our part when it when it comes to it. And, you know, if you are sick before you get on a cruise, you do have to report it um, to make sure that, that, that that's not going to spread around people. And I know I'm recording this ju- just during the outbreak of the uh, coronavirus. I think it's I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, the the flu like um, disease that's that's come from China. And I know that the cruise ships are already starting to really crack down on this to make sure that that's not going to take hold on any of the cruise ships. So they're they're putting precautions in place there as well. So that myth. The chances of getting sick on a cruise ship are really, really, really slim. Um, can happen, but you just have to do your part and I'm sure you will be fine. So that is myth number five, totally busted. So there we go. I'm going to round that off for this episode, but make sure that you join us for the second part of this episode uh, when we will look at the next five cruise myths that we will bust as well. All right, I'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Aussie Cruise Show. To keep up to date with all our episodes and to see our exclusive website content, just head to www.aussiecruiseshow.com.au That's www.aussiecruiseshow.com.au See you in the next episode. Bye!